0: Jesus, he exemplified that statement. He values unity above being right. You gave up your right to be offended the day you said yes to Jesus. I think the journey of maturity is one where we're getting offended less and less. We're getting hurt less and less. And I think it's from that posture of maturity that unity is made possible.
1: Welcome to the Upside Down People podcast with us, Adam Meredith. He's a senior pastor Red Door Community Church. He's been a prominent leader within Perth churches for many years and has been pastoring at Red Door for over 10 years. And I would say, and so would so many other people within uh, Perth, he's been one of Perth's biggest advocates for unity amongst churches. So I think he's an appropriate voice to talk to on the subject of unity, don't you reckon,
2: Jared? Absolutely, Caleb. Really looking forward to uh, this chat.
1: Yeah, so
0: welcome to the Upside Down People podcast, Adam. Yeah, thanks, lads. I'm wondering when I'm getting my Upside Down People t shirt. Is that going to be merch that's coming out soon? It's been sent in the mail. Really?
1: Yeah, so awesome. hopefully we got your
0: dress. I'm a large, so just so it's clear. Right. I want a t shirt large size. Uh, this is, the, is this like very early on in the podcast series here? Yes. So, see. man, this is exciting. I'm am pumped to be like one of the first people on this thing for you guys. It's
1: awesome. We're pumped to have you on here as well. <laughs> I think I couldn't think of a better a better person to talk about unity than yourself,
0: Adam. Oh, it's great. I'm, it's a pleasure to be here.
1: Cool. So, tell us, how did you end up here?
0: Yeah. Well, I certainly wasn't uh, growing up thinking I was ever going to be a pastor of a local church. Uh, I I'm, I'm a Perth boy, born in Perth, raised in Perth. My mum and dad divorced when I was eight and mum remarried when I was around the 15-year-old mark and Chris, my stepdad, was the first person I'd ever met who went to tertiary studies and so he, he, he actually um, sowed the seed of uh, actually accounting. So I actually studied accounting and finance which led me to Ernst & Young which led me to being an auditor and uh, I kind of believed in God because mum had a faith but it was very nominal um, in those sort of formative years and it was actually when I was 23, uh, I had an encounter with Jesus. Actually, while I was at Ernst Young, actually. Wow. And um, I remember the guys at Ernst Young who knew me as this kind of work hard, play hard guy, right? And then suddenly this transformation occurred where a lot of them just couldn't understand what the heck has happened to Adam, right? What is going on? And some of them actually were a little bit aggressive about the whole thing. And, wow. Um, but the reality that Jesus was so real to me, uh, I suppose led me to a path where I found myself just ministering to people started being involved in youth and I think part of the creative part of Adam started to get a bit more airtime when I when Jesus got hold of me it's Like he's always made me creative um, always made me to be a, a sort of a communicator I suppose and that became more obvious the see it's funny with Jesus right the more you get to know him the more you get to discover about yourself right so I suppose that had been the journey in relationship to, oh, ministry, wow, I actually love telling people about Jesus, and that's kind of been a bit of the path, yeah.
2: That's amazing. So that move, Adam, from accounting, and then you end up uh, senior pastor at Red Door Community Church now. Yeah. Uh, What happened between then and obviously now? Yeah, sure. So, um, funny
0: enough, my first manager at Anston Young was the youth pastor at a church here in Perth called Riverview Church. And uh, through that connection, um, I was offered a job at Riverview Church as the media director. So get that, get your head around that. Wow. You know, like accounting. Numbers to creativity. Totally. Like what? And if you if you you know if you're an accountant and you're creative, you go to jail for that. You know, it's called creative accounting. You know, <laughs> so uh, that wasn't my pathway, right? So suddenly now I'm doing television. I'm doing this creative kind of space, not having been trained for it, but just loving it learning a lot of stuff and uh, i suppose what you discover is that anytime you're uh, doing these types of roles suddenly you know we had a media team of a hundred people right so you're suddenly not just leading a team of people you're caring for people you're you're envisioning people and i, I found myself just loving that and uh over the course of time uh, Riverview had different campuses right and so there was a southern suburbs campus a northern suburbs campus in in here in Perth and uh they Phil Phil Baker who was a senior minister at the time he said Adam do you want to be the lead pastor of Riverview Coburn and uh yeah we just loved I suppose the proximity of people uh being closer to people discipling people in a you know a sort of a closer context and uh Things uh, went on in that context for a while. We, we liked that role and we were finding some fruit from that yeah. and then Riverview leadership changed and then suddenly they released the campus that was here uh, to become its own community and asked whether my wife and I, Dale and myself, would uh, lead that. And so we said yes and suddenly, um, you know, it's called the Red Door Community Church and so here we are 10 years into that now um, and uh, yeah, enjoying the journey.
1: Yeah, what a journey. Oh, man. That's amazing. So tell, you, you mentioned a, a bit about Dale. Tell us about your family.
0: Sure. We've um, been married 23 years with three kids, so it's getting pretty serious now. <laughs> um, no, my oldest is 21. Uh, I have a middle son who's uh, 19, Harrison. Um, Mackenzie's just turned 21, so I'm feeling really old right now. Wow. I'm 48, if you're wondering. Almost an empty nester. Mate, it's feeling it's starting to feel like that because they're in their vehicles and they're out and about. You never see them, really. Um, and Charlotte, my younger, she's uh, she's 17. Yeah. And uh, just finishing year 12 at the moment. Uh, yeah, so now they're doing really well. And, and uh, I mean, it's a challenge ministering with your spouse. Like, that's a new level of uh journeying towards marital bliss <laughs> you, you know like it's it's a it's a pressure cooker environment at times yeah. it's the best of times it's the worst of times like it's just it's a challenge but certainly it's a journey of maturing yeah. um when you're doing it with your spouse yeah um so yeah not not for the faint hearted i don't think i don't uh, but uh certainly we've we've learned a lot along the journey
1: yeah i can imagine i, I did a short stint of working with my wife as well and that definitely tests the relationship and brings up a lot of conversations. We had quite a few, um, intense conversations on the way home from work. Um, so I, I really admire you for how you do that with your wife. You, you exemplify an amazing,
2: oh, thanks, mate. amazing job. Back. Yeah. So Adam, when you aren't pastoring, mm. um, what do you spend your spare time doing? <laughs> Well, I don't have any spare time, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, sorry, what, a, yeah. what an intrusion! No. <laughs> I, I do podcasts
0: for this group called uh, Upside Down People. Um, no, I, I suppose I find myself, uh, we're recording this as, as spring has arrived and summer. I love the garden, so looking forward to getting back in the garden, to be honest. Winter's like not the best time for gardening, so uh, like this coming weekend, it's a long weekend coming, so I'm like, yeah, you got to be in the garden, <laughs> so looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I love, I love film. I love, um, I love sports. I'm a bit of an NBA fan. Uh, enjoy following that. It's the off season right now. So we're like, hang on. I think it's October we start, so it's good. we we'll yeah. forward to that. Um, I think between, you know, mentoring your own kids, trying to form, uh, a relationship as your children enter adulthood, that's, that's a, another full-time job, which you lads haven't arrived at yet. And that's, <laughs> Something to be discovered, and I'm still discovering it. I haven't landed, but that's certainly part of my free time, just making sure I'm available for them. Wow. Yes, um, yeah, like literally, like take like, my son and I just now on Saturdays, just going out for a beer and solving the world's problem at the pub. That's awesome. That sounds, I suppose, odd, but at the same time, it's a context for us to connect, not as necessarily as father and son, but as someone who wants to mentor you as a young man to become all that God's got for you. Yeah. Um, it's taken me a while to realize that's actually relationally the pathway. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but um, what a beautiful picture
1: as well. Just yeah. At a, at a pub, enjoying a drink with, with your son. Yeah.
0: So that's, that's a privilege now that he's of, of age. And um, if you're listening to this, don't worry, we're not always at the pub. It's okay. <laughs> um, it's just something that's uh, helpful for us. And not being at home, so going out somewhere, where are you are going to go, you know, to have a, actually have a deeper, meaningful conversation? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So. And I hear you have, um, well, quite the shoe collection or you're into shoes, <laughs> <we> but, <laughs> but also you have quite the card collection, I believe. So oh gosh. Do you mind telling us a bit uh, about what this
0: means? Yeah. Confess my sin to you all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't, you, you've labeled it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I I enjoy sneakers um some people, you know, have the terminology of uh, preachers with sneakers. Um but uh yes, my current uh level of preoccupation with sneakers is that they have a different pair for each day of the week. So we're at a limit of seven here. Okay. So um you maybe self may listen- control. Yeah, you may be listening and going, Well, that's nothing. Don't worry about it. You know, yeah. I've got twenty four. I know? reckon <laughs> most
1: most guys these days, sevens minimalism.
0: Oh, so, really? Okay. I reckon, yeah. Okay, I so, feel good about that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But I certainly like the old retro basketball shoes, the, yeah. the Jordan ones, the Jordan threes and fours, and that's kind of my little sub-hobby. Yeah. But it's an expensive hobby, so I don't really participate in that. That's why I've got this other hobby that enjoys playing cards, right? And that's what you're taking into that. Yeah. That's so, cheap too, right? It is actually quite a lot, like per pack, it's a cheaper uh, exercise. so And they're, they're quite good.
1: I've been a recipient of one of these packs of cards. Have you? Yeah, I have, nice. yeah. Very um, good. From From yourself. Really? <laughs> <laughs> See, generosity. Okay. Generosity. Flowing. Yeah. Flowing. And they're quite good cards. Yeah. Oh, that's Why the... do you collect? Is there?
0: I think part of, I was telling someone the other day, actually, there's an artistry in Uh, how they're like designed, you know, uh, in terms of the back design and so forth. So I think the artistry of it, I I really enjoy. Um, But I have a little uh, interest in um, the idea of, uh, I suppose, card tricks to create an environment of wonder. Wow. And I just think wonder is something that uh, is very much lost uh, in our society uh, in a way, and it sounds odd, like why well, would you use card tricks to evoke wonder? There's lots of other things you could use, absolutely. Um, someone did ask me, Adam, how did you get into you might use the word magic, like how did you get into cards or magic? You know, and I heard someone say, Oh, my question is, how did you ever get out of it? Yeah, Okay. which is that upside down concept, right? So I think as children, we're naturally drawn towards wonder, but as we get older, wonder kind of dissipates as something that. Oh, that was, that's a childish dynamic. But I think as we get older, we should always have a sense of wonder in our lives, which actually causes us to have a sense of joy and gratefulness and be authentically grateful for the life that God's given us. Yeah, so, absolutely. yeah, there's a, probably a deeper meaning there on no, playing cards. I'm- like, how did playing cards connect to wonder? That's a very interesting connection. But, yeah, I suppose for me that's part of it, part of it. Yeah. And I, I just love you know the sense of showing someone something is a, a as a trick where they can't explain that yeah and part of me goes man that's part of the mystery you know the 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 unexplainableness of god yeah is something that you are you comfortable with that or are you you, you are nah, it's just i just if i can't explain it if i can't grip it if i can't hold it then i'm not interested in it i'm like going well hang on a sec that's where the adventure of life is the more we embrace mystery. Yeah. The more we embrace wonder.
1: Well, it's very cool. I reckon it's a great segue in terms of, um, that's why we've got you on today is because we'd love to capture a
2: bit of that wonder with your perspective on unity. Sure. Yeah. And hopefully our listeners have got a, a bit more of a picture as to who Adam Meredith is at this stage. So let's, let's dive right into this topic of unity because I know you're very passionate about it, Adam. hmm yeah. So I think a good starting point would be, how do you define unity biblically? Yeah, sure. What does the gospel have to say about unity? Yeah, a great question. A great question. I heard a quote that I uh,
0: probably two weeks ago, actually, someone mentioned it, and the phrase was, agreement is the cheapest form of unity. I was like, wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Agreement is the cheapest form of unity. And um, part, part of the why behind that is that, the way that that unity is biblically expressed is that there's something that is at the center that's causing our unity rather than our similarities. Mm. So what I mean by that is the greater the differential uh, in terms of our differences, the more that the thing that we're unifying around gets uh, magnified. So if we're, I think some people use that word um, uh, sectarianism. If I'm only going to have a relationship with you, if I'm only going to be unified with you because we are the same or that we agree on certain things, that's that's a cheap form of unity. Right. What what the what the biblical picture is is that can is Jesus big enough, large enough? Is his gospel uh, expansive enough to cause us to be in relationship, connected, unified, loving one another in relational proximity that He's the reason why we are close, not the fact that we see the same thing or are the same or be the same or agree even on theological issues the same way. Right. Um, So I think the, the more we are able to, as the body of Christ, allow our unity to be singular focus on who Jesus is, what he's done, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, when that is at the core, we should be able to handle our little differences, right? And they actually are little in, uh, I'm sorry, if you're listening to this, they actually are little in comparison to the magnitude of who Jesus is. He is sufficient to cause us to actually not just be in relationship, actually cause us to be brothers and sisters. Yeah, very good. And so I I think that's why I get excited about it, because what it ultimately does, unity does, is it exalts and magnifies the person of Jesus. That's what it does. Um, I guess people go how, how, are the, how are these people in community? They're so different. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually it must be it must be something bigger than themselves. Yeah it mu- actually and it points to Christ. It points to Jesus
2: in a way that I think nothing else does actually.
1: Yeah very good.
2: So just unpacking that thought a little bit further, Adam, yep. how does the person of Christ model unity? Yeah, brilliant question. Um, glad you asked it.
0: When Jesus walked the earth right, He was the, let me introduce a phrasing, it's a little bit strange. He was the rightest person to ever walk the face of the earth, the rightest. Jesus valued unity more than being right. Now, let me change that word, he was the rightest, to the word righteous, he was the most righteous person to ever walk the face of the earth and he did not force his rightness or his righteousness upon humanity actually he laid it down in order to bring us to himself so Jesus he exemplified that statement he values unity above being right well wow. he could have he could have forced he could have completely judged the earth there and then right because he's the rightest. He's the most correct. He's, his opinion is absolute truth. But he didn't do that. He laid his own life down to draw us to himself. He wanted to bring unity, reconciliation between us and himself. Yeah. So the gospel ex- ex- exemplifies that. Does that make sense? That's very cool. Yeah. Good.
1: Going off, off the back of that, Adam, uh, what would you say man's pursuit of unity looks like compared to with what you're saying Jesus Christ's pursuit of unity looks like?
0: Yeah, well, I think, I think man is, uh, you know, on a mission to exalt being right above unity. So we're happy to have disunity because we've established our identity in our being right. So I'm right, you're wrong, therefore I have value and you do not. So there's this kind of uh, sense of um, exalting oneself because of knowledge or because of I'm right, therefore because I'm more right than you are, I have a strong identity, and that's an that's a that's a that's an identity journey mm-hmm. that's pushing others down, not lifting others up, right. and so that is counter, that's counter the gospel. The gospel says, no, I'm, I'm here to lift you up, my brother, my friend, my my person that lives next to me, my neighbour, because I'm no longer trying to you know grip identity for myself i'm not trying to um strive to get identity because i already have it i've already had it not in what i'm doing in my righteousness i have it in his righteousness i have my identity in what he has done not what i've done so i think i think that's where we you know talk about upside down people you know this is this is Mm -hmm. the upside down gospel we're not trying to get identity from our uh, pursuits or by our uh, competencies or by our achievements or our power or our possessions. No, we have it. Therefore, we're free to be together. We're free to have relationship. We're free to encourage one another. We're free to exalt one another. Because I'm no longer using all my energy to get identity. Yeah. It's so all done.
1: Reminds me of the um, passage in John where it says, and by this my disciples will know me. By the love they have for one another, so it it is that like you're not trying to be right; you're just trying to keep Jesus the center.
0: Yeah, true, true, so true. It's very good.
1: Um, would you say there's an importance in having this conversation around
0: unity? I, I do, uh, because I think unity is the will of Christ. It's the will of Jesus. Um, in our dividing, in our separating, in our division. We're actually making the name and person of Jesus look ugly to the world around us. So when we actually exhibit a unified body, we are demonstrating to an onlooking, onlooking world and have no mistake, they are watching, okay? They are watching to see whether the unity that Christ calls us to is exhibited in the quality of our community, and the quality of our community is how we are connected, how we uh, love one another. How we accept one another, just like you just mentioned. You know, the way we love one another reveals to the world that we are His children. We are His. We belong to Him. And so, I think that uh, that, that prayer in John 17, Jesus's high priestly prayer, He is almost giving the world the right to reject Him if it's not backed up by a unified, loving community that calls themselves the body of Christ. Uh, and so that's that's a very sobering idea. Uh, I heard this quote maybe a few years ago. And uh, if you haven't, it might be a bit of a slap in the head. So I apologize in advance for this. But division in the church is breeding atheism in the world. Wow. That's so brutally strong, right? Do you want to unpack that a bit? Yeah, for sure. So I suppose the the nature of John 17, he's con- Jesus is connecting the fact that there's this unity, He uses the phrasing complete unity, which almost suggests that there's different levels of unity, which I think they are. you know we've mentioned a few, like agreement and so forth. But he's describing this complete unity. When the world sees this complete unity, There will be such a stark reality to that, to the world around us, that they will come to the conclusion that the Father in heaven has sent the Son. And that is a unity that I don't think we've actually seen yet. We've done structural unity and the world is not amazed. We've Mm -hmm. done uh, all sorts of different attempts at unity, but the world is not um, struck by the claims of Jesus Claims of Jesus are radical, right? He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He's alive. Um, you know, this this the claims of Christ are uh, are challenging, right? But the world's not struck yet. So that excites me because at the same time I go, there's also something that's very achievable here. Because if Jesus is praying for it, it must be possible. Like we must be able to yeah. journey this this way. Um, so I think the reason why it's so important to answer your question clearly is going, I think the way the world sees who Jesus is, is somehow directly connected to how the body is unified and moving towards complete unity. Yeah,
2: very good. What a huge responsibility for the people of God, hey? To...
0: Yeah. But at the same time, Jared, you know, it's not like we're on our own, right? We have the Holy Spirit in us mm-hmm. who's calling us towards that
2: place. Absolutely. Of unity, I believe. That's a very important point. So, you've been pastoring for many years, as we discussed at the top, Adam. Um, Have there been specific uh, cultural obstructions or barriers that you have noticed to unity in your particular cultural context, Perth, WA? Yeah, do you mean like within the church, or do you mean
0: just in the the city itself, or do you mean both, or... Let's go with both. Go both, yeah, well... (laughs) I will say this, I think the mission statement of the enemy, um, is, is division in the sense that if he can divide humanity, then, you know, essentially that division will cause, um, destruction, Mm. you know, if we're not unified there, there is so much opportunity for humanity to become more and more separated. Um, there's so many dynamics today that is dividing people. Uh, in an opinion elevated world of social media, the opinions are so divided about how people feel about this and that it's like you don't have to look too far until you see, "Wow, this world is really divided about how it sees political issues, how it sees environmental issues, how it sees education and health, and oh my gosh, there's just so many. Uh, and I think that is a uh, a challenge within. Society that is not just a function of our broken humanity, but also the enemies at work. Um, his, his one of the words that they use to describe the enemy is Diabolos, one um, kind of his names, um, not necessarily a commonly used one, but actually that that is actually means division. Wow. Like his mission statement is division, and so I think the world is is is. That's why I think when you say when people see unity in the church, that's why it's so attractive. It's just so different so obvious because the world is so disunified and it's almost hungering for something to unify around because it can't unify around sort of anything you know it's Mm. so it's so struck by opinion yeah um with the church however we've got to be careful that we don't play into that same narrative in the world around us that we are a people who are not unified by how we have an opinion on, you know, COVID-19 vaccinations or, you know, all these different things that would yeah. cause the church to be disunified. No, those things, they don't, they're not the reason for our unity. The reason for our unity is Jesus.
1: Yeah, very good.
0: So I think the church is, um, I suppose, what I've seen in, in, in Perth, one of the challenges within the church, and I've, I've spoken this on this a few times, is the church can be so busy, trying to do everything and that busyness leaves no room for uh, a, a single local church to know what is happening at the church down the road like that's an obs- that's, a, that's a, like a foreign thought why would I want to know what's going on down the church down the road yeah. like, why would I want to know well the reason why you'd want to know is because if you value unity you you recognize that this is not just uh you know building these little kingdoms called my local church no where there is one church and there is one savior there's one king and he's not uh he's in he's not when we go in the uh, when we in heaven it's not going to be like the catholics over there and the anglicans over there and the independents over there and the pentecostals over there and the. are Refor- we are one church yeah and so uh, there's an element that i think within the church you just got to be very careful about how um isolated we become within the church, in this case of the church of Perth, the church of your city, um, we've got to be careful that we don't just become these islands disconnected from the uh, rest of the body. Um, there's a lot more I could say on that. Yeah. Well, you mentioned
1: like if we get so insular in our focus Mm. or the word you used was busy, Mm. um, that we don't even realize what's happening down the road or church down the road. Um, Do you have some examples of a gospel unity that you've seen or been been a part of?
0: Yeah, I think part of um, what I've been uh, directly a part of here in Coburn, um, Coburn is, if you're not familiar, um, the city of Coburn is our local LGA, local government area, and um, since about 2007, I've been trying to uh, I suppose facilitate more relational unity amongst the church leaders, uh, and it's not just church leaders. It can be para ministry leaders. It could be business Christian business leaders. Um, in a way that st- I think it really starts with building relational trust, because you want to be able to work together to do things together. But before you can do something together, you've got to have enough trust in the bank, so to speak. You know, you've got to be able to facilitate um, relational unity in a way that over time builds into collaboration. So we are working together. Yeah. So have I seen, um, many works of collaborative effort in the city of Perth or the city of Coburn? I would say as I sit here in 2022, not, not yet, but what I've been seeing is slow, ever so slowly trust being built, trust being built within the body where there's a deep love for one another, there's a deep relationship with one another, where one part of the body is hurting, we're all hurting. But So there's so basically right now, every Thursday morning, um, the Church of Coburn is invited to pray together. And mm-hmm. since 07 to now, probably this last 18 months, we've seen the most take-up of people wanting to gather together for prayer, wow. wanting to gather together for, for relational connection, where you're not just... You're, not, you're just known as that church down the street. You actually know, know them, know their heart, know their calling, know the, the gifting that's on that particular church. Um, I've always thought about the idea that why would, why would we develop a homeless ministry out of Red Door when the church down the street is ridiculously gifted? Why wouldn't we just send people down to help with what they're doing? Why would we reinvent the wheel at our end? And I suppose that requires a real kingdom mindset, not an empire-building mindset. We're all about the same work here to see His kingdom come, His will be done. That's beautiful. And so I think the more that we're aware of a kingdom mindset and understanding each other's giftings and and callings, the more that collaboration can actually move from that place um, rather than just you know sticking to myself, me and mine. I've got too much to worry about, you know. But that may be a symptom of doing too much. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, that's beautifully answered. Adam, what I've noticed as we're having this conversation is there's a a real sense of, there's a real tone of hope that's coming across from you when it comes to unity and you seeing increasing amounts of unity amongst people, amongst the church in your lifetime. How have you maintained that hope um, in your pursuit of unity? unity Emma, amidst discouragement at times. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, it's a good question, Jared. I'm not quite sure how to answer that one, but um, what I am hearing, I suppose when, you, when you're in a bit of a unity space, and let me be clear, unity is not the goal. The goal is Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we can talk about unity all we want. It sounds like, wow, the goal is unity. No, the goal is not unity. The goal is Jesus. Now, having said that, I think unity is more like a, a flow on that, when you're a mature follower of Jesus, there's a natural tendency, It should be a natural tendency, for you to be unified. And when you see it, uh, to nurture it, protect it. And so when I've seen it, I've done my very best to nurture it and protect it. Uh, and I think what's been really interesting in the last um you know because COVID has been uh you know something that no one has known how to deal with this right this is like how does the church respond how do we act how do we continue to not just do church but be the church in a time that's very difficult yeah so i think in in recent times the church has needed one another like never before so the things that I'm hearing out of, not just out of WA, Western Australia, but out of Victoria as well, there's a lot more connecting happening across the body. And when you see that, that's encouraging because you go, man, they're talking to one another. They're helping one another. And for me, I go, oh man, that's so exciting. Like, let get ready. This is, this is something starting to shape, something starting to move. There's no one church is going to reach the city. Like, newsflash, no one church is going to be the answer, but together as the church, Man, we can we can do something. We can reach the city. We can see his kingdom come. So I suppose part of it is when you just get little glimpses of going, oh, Jared, look at that.
2: That's inspiring to me. That goes, yeah, this is worth journeying towards. Very good. So this might sound like a, a strange question, I guess, Adam, considering the conversation we've been having, but is there ever a reason to divide people? <laughs> yeah, great, great. The answer is yes, 100%.
0: Let me be super clear. If Jesus is not Lord, if Jesus is not the King of Kings, if Jesus has not uh, died on the cross for your sins as the atonement of sins, if he has not risen bodily from the grave to conquering sin and death, if he has not ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, any one of those reasons put under question, I go, "Mm." there's a reason to ask the question whether you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're actually a Christian. And that may be a frontal assault to some listening, but I I tell you that if that is not at the core, right, then we've got some questions to ask whether we're actually family, whether we're actually following the same Jesus that we're talking about. The challenge was, as soon as I enter that conversation, you begin to become aware of what are the primary things of the faith and what are the secondary things of the faith. Yeah, very good. I know people divide over whether women should be in leadership and teaching. I know people who divide over whether speaking in tongues is something that you're allowed to do from the pulpit. I, I know people who get all bent out of shape. And, and Jesus didn't leave us the Nicene Creed He didn't give us the Apostles' Creed and goes, hey, everyone, just so you know, these are the primary things and these are the secondary things of the faith. Why didn't do that? What did he leave us? He actually left us his spirit. And his spirit is meant to draw us into all truth. Yeah. And I think all that all truth is exemplified in the reality that when we see Jesus in one another, that's what draws us into unity. Mm. I know some people go to other churches, trying to look for how do I correct their theology. I'm going. Don't go to another church to correct their th- their theology. Go to another church to see Jesus. Yeah, and if you posture yourself in that way, man, it's gonna. It's you will you will you will find him. Yeah. And therefore, that will be the very glue that unifies you.
1: Yeah. Obviously, we're we're um, humans, mm-hmm. and humanity and people don't have a complete. Uh, understanding of the truth no one holds the truth to themselves Mm. um so we can't claim to be jesus essentially no so we're trying to work this thing out we're trying to interpret scripture and like you're saying what's the primary what's the secondary what's what's really worth like fixing our attention on what's not and that can be a really messy process especially in the church where it's made for people like me and you who Mm need Jesus essentially Mm. we're not perfect so with that how do we then approach a Christian brother or sister that is causing division or we can see that they will start causing division yeah obviously we want to be able to try and strive for unity Mm. like we've been talking but then there is that difficulty of when things aren't ideal and on everyone's not focusing on Jesus yeah um even if Like when we are focusing on Jesus, we're still Mm. still fall short.
0: Um, So, how do we approach? Yeah, it's a great question, and one that I have battled with myself. Uh, How do we help people be drawn into unity? Mm. And I think the answer that comes to a sense of the letter brings death, but the spirit brings life. It's very easy for humans in their good intentions to create endeavors that are unifying. And so what I mean by that is, okay, let's do this together and sort of this forced sort of involvement, you know, where you must come and be involved in this. And it's almost like a man-made unity, if that makes sense. Uh, What I've seen when I consider what is the unity that Jesus is praying for, I see a more spirit birth unity. It's, It's a spirit birth unity where it's not necessarily the work of it's not the work of man it's the work of god in people and through people and i suppose it's being more and more sensitive to the spirit birth unity spaces rather than the man-made um works of unity yeah the reason why i say that is because when i meet a brother and sister who you know they're so definite about you know this particular secondary matter causing me to leave the church or um you know to reject that church or um at the end of the day um, that transformation that happens in another is, has to be a work of the spirit I I can't position myself to convince them otherwise you know what I mean I can't mm-hmm. I can't make a, a sound enough argument to convince them that um, potentially you might be looking at this the wrong way um I can, all I can do is pray for them yeah. because I think this this complete unity picture is something that's that's birthed out of revelation because the spirit of God has illuminated it. Mm. Um, so within the sp- uh, city of Coburn, there are churches who don't want to connect. They don't want to be involved in a sense of what can we do together. Mm. Um, there's a tribalism that's going on inside of their church community in a way that's kind of like, no, no, we'll just keep to ourselves. And you know, how, how can you convince that? You, know? yeah. um, you can't. But what you can do is you can posture yourself to go, hey, when the timing's right and they're something, something drops out of heaven for their hearts, you go, Oh man, you're my brother. Mm. And how do I respond in those moments? I think is, cause this is ultimately God's grace doing this, right? It's not like, you know, it's all on us, right? Mm. <laughs> Jesus is praying for it. That's why he's praying for it because it's not all on us. If it was, we're, 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 we're broken. Yeah. It's not going to happen.
1: Yeah. How would you encourage then someone who who is listening perhaps and they, really struggling with some of the contentions that you've mentioned where they have this um, idea that the church they might be going to or even that has drawn them away from the church um, is causing division within themselves because they see their, th- that church is focusing too much on a secondary issue or focusing mm. like not on what they think is the primary issue, but they really wrestling with it honestly. In terms of this person, mm. um, how would you encourage them to strive for for Jesus yeah. uh, and see, yeah, that that picture of unity? What does that look like for them?
0: Yeah, I certainly don't want to um, belittle that process. So, if you are listening, please know that um, what you are experiencing is certainly not some sort of simple, quick fix answer. Um, and the reason why I say that is a lot of disunity is actually driven out of a, a deep wounding that happens in the human heart. Um, when I say that part of um, the journey of resentment and bitterness that we may have experienced because of a particular event that's happened to a person, there's a wound there that almost the wound is the thing that's speaking rather than, um, a pure posture of, I want, to, I want to unify. So I suppose what I'm saying that is, is the first thing we've got to do is we've got to look at the plank in our own eye. We've got to look at the, in the mirror and go, what is it in my heart that's causing me to be divided from my brother or sister? Um, and if it's a place of resentment and bitterness, we've got to be honest about that. And we've got to say, Lord, heal my heart, firstly. Um, before i can venture into a space of unity because a lot of the time it's well, it's unforgiveness that's driving our disunity i don't want to be unified with that person because they hurt me last week mm-hmm. right um and i think that you know that's one of the challenges with church right because we make ourselves vulnerable we open ourselves up and we get hurt and uh, i want to say if you're listening today um as a representative of church leadership, can you please forgive me for the bitter, for the for the moment of hurt that you've experienced? And you might be thinking, well, Adam, you didn't hurt me. Um, but what I want to do is I want to I want to probe the space of going is it is it possible that you could forgive that person in order that you could w- have a journey towards unity? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think I think we've got to first look at unforgiveness when we when we're injured. And then once from your, from a posture of freedom, consider, um, those secondary primary matters from a viewpoint of freedom rather than a viewpoint of unforgiveness. Mm. Does that make sense? I I, I would say to you, it would look very different if you're looking through the lens of freedom versus the lens of I'm bitter and twisted about this, this particular church and this particular situation, um, And then reassess from there.
1: Yeah. And what an opportunity that gives, like you're saying, the spirit to intervene and be your strength in that moment because it's something that we can't, or it's very hard to try and muster that up ourselves. And it gives opportunity for like redemption and reconciliation to to come through as well.
2: So true. Beautiful picture of the gospel, really, isn't it? Um, And just, I guess, that idea that Jesus absorbs our sin. Um, come on, it's, it's very cool. Um, in saying that, would you say that, um, there is often an ongoing choice in that to forgive, not just once, but over and over and over again. It's not <laughs> this one-off, oh, yep, I believe the gospel, yep. awesome, Christ has forgiven me. I will just willfully, happily forgive, uh, every single person from here on in. Yeah. And I, I think that's the journey of
0: maturity, isn't it? like we are practicing forgiveness that means i've not arrived (laughs) i'm not an expert at it i'm practicing forgiveness so the human experience is one where you know you're going like this up and down up and down you're having great days of freedom and then the next day you're like oh man that hurt. that injured me but all along i think the journey of maturity is one where we're getting offended less and less we're getting hurt less and less and therefore, our potential of of opportunities for unity is growing. Um, the the less we are offended, right? Um, so if you're sitting offended today, I want to remind you that you you gave up your right to be offended the day you said yes to Jesus. You you don't you don't get that right anymore. That's powerful. And you're like me, thinking, well, hang on, I'm a right to get offended. Whole world gets offended, but that's the upside down people. We are an upside down people because. We don't need to get offended because we have the most valuablest thing we could ever have and his name is Jesus. Therefore, we don't have to push our own rights. We don't have to push our own agenda. We are free and free indeed. And I think it's from that posture of maturity that unity is made possible.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. Um, what I'm hearing you say is within a biblical or the gospel perspective of, of unity is the church rallying around the person of Jesus and in the world, there's this perspective of unity is rallying against something. It's like we are unified against, but it's countercultural to look to Jesus because he's for, he wants to welcome everyone into, into his kingdom. Mm. Um, and to be unified for something is so much better than to be against it. Yeah.
0: So good, Jared. So good. Um, so, <laughs> did I say Jared? Then yeah, I'll take yeah, the credit. Yeah. And laugh. <laughs> comment, Caleb. That was brilliant, mate. He's waxing lyrical. Can uh, I take it? Just com- I just can. I just comment on that yeah, thought, right? Yeah. Please do. I think the nature of sometimes church communities is that they can become all about what we're against. You know, we're against same-sex marriage. We're against this, and I'm not trying to make a comment on any of these things today. But all I'm trying to say is the more we're unified around something we're we're against. The less Jesus is the glue that unifies us. Yeah. But rather the political posture is I'm I'm against this, I'm against that. No, no, no. Just before Jesus and you'll find unity flows because the spirit is flowing, not just your 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 mental ascent, so to speak.
1: Yeah. That, very good. So how then do we maintain unity within the church while honouring each person, given that we've each been created? With God given individuality.
0: Mm. How do we maintain it? Yeah. Yeah. Firstly, the word maintain, great, great comment to make. We didn't make unity, by the way. Yeah. Uh, unity is a spiritual truth that is already established in Christ. It's done, it's finished. We are spiritually one. The challenge is how do we live like that's true? Yeah. You. you know, the application of it day by day. Yeah. How do we
1: strive for it?
0: Yeah. There's a great scripture that says, you know, um, maintain a spirit of unity through the bond of peace. And I think it's that bond of peace that's an interesting phrase that allows us to understand that there's a that peace with each other is the one of the the ways we have a maintenance of that unity. Mm-hmm. Um, to bring a little bit more picture of that is the more we celebrate our differences, um, the more uh, Jesus is exalted. Let me say that another way. If you want to get to know Adam, you can get to know me um, by the things I like and dislike. You can find out all sorts of things about me. Um, You've already discovered my love of playing cards and shoes. Um, (laughs) But if you really want to get to know me, right, you've got to get to know my wife, right? My wife, Dale, somehow, I don't understand. She brings more Adam out. Yeah. She brings more of me out. And if you want to know more of me, you've got to embrace her because she's my one flesh covenant wife, right? Yeah. Now, this is a little mini picture, right, of Jesus being the groom and his body. His body is the most diverse group of crazy people you've ever met in your life. But the more you embrace the body, the more Jesus... You, the more you know him, the more you see him. The more it's, he's just like a crystal that is actually more vibrant than you could ever imagine. But if you dismiss half the body because they don't agree with the, your position of theology on these particular matters, you've suddenly limited your ability to see the the, the more of who Jesus is. Mm. Um, so the, you get to see more of the groom, i.e., Jesus, the more you embrace the the amazing differences and celebrating those differences that exist in the body itself uh so i think that's part of the idea is how we celebrate each other how do we celebrate our differences mm-hmm. well i'm only going to celebrate the evangelists that are in my community because all about evangelism well that's good but there are clearly four more uh, parts of the body that are clearly articulated yeah. the teachers the 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 shepherds the apostles Very good. um the evangelists are part of it but it's not just all about the evangelists. Yeah. If that if that's just one way of thinking about it, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, C.S. Lewis actually has this great perspective on he he talks about church membership and how when we he talks about it how it's like a body and when we remove a part of the body it's not so much that we don't have to deal with that but it actually injures the church. So in in the similar yeah. manner that if we're just focusing on one part of the body, like you're saying, if it's just all about evangelists, um, we're actually doing harm to yeah. the bride of Christ. Yeah. So yeah, I love, I love what you're There's
0: so much more, you know, the prophetic, you know, we just focus on this and where did the, the, the prophetic part of the body go? Yeah. Oh, we, we, if we avoid that, you know, we're actually missing
2: out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, very good. So, Adam, for people that have been listening to this conversation and maybe it's really prompted them to do some further thinking or, or study on this subject, are there any particular resources that might be helpful? Yeah, no, great, great,
0: Jared. If you haven't read John 17 lately, I'd jump into that <laughs> straight away. Um, but okay. but um, uh, Francis Jan's got a, a recent, more recent book called Until Unity, and I think it's some great thoughts that prompt um, further research, further discussion, um, you know, if you want to jump into something immediately, I know that book's available. Uh, I've read it. it's um it's a real I mean he's he's just so passionate about this particular uh, matter. Um, and he would be as strong to say that if you can't unify with anyone in the body of Christ, there's reason to ask the question whether you're in the body of Christ yourself. Anytime you say an author, I always want to add in, hey, no human one human being's got the whole truth, so, when you read things, you know, we're not. I'm not advocating someone's particular stance on anything other than the fact that, oh, there's some great thoughts, some great input that you can get as you establish a sense of spirit-led um, drawing to truth. Um, the other thing that happens, you might be listening to this, and I've mentioned something, a few things about your local government area. You could be wondering how maybe you can connect into something that's happening more local to where you are. Um, I think for the longest time, church has been focused on potentially uh, denominational movement, like how is this denominational movement um, going forward? Uh, And I think where this unity space is changing things a little is being a bit more geographically minded. Uh, what are we doing in coburn what are we doing in my local lga so we use a phrase in in western australia it's being slowly being established it's certainly not an organization it's just a way of describing how does the church come together in a local government area and we use the phrase geo network Um, so you might have you might have a prayer geo network relational space happening in your area and so the way you may want to find out about that is through a website um, that's um, geonetworks or Network, sorry singular geonetwork.com.au
1: yeah thanks so much Adam for for chatting uh, to us on this topic of unity. I, I personally love how you just zoomed right out and said okay well what actually matters is Jesus. this this unity is secondary. To who Jesus Christ is, and, and I think that's what the gospel is about. It should draw us back to Jesus. Come on. So thank you so much for bringing our attention in unity to what it all matters. No worries. You've been a great guest. We hopefully can uh, speak to you again soon. Hopefully this has been an enjoyable experience for you. As yeah, well. it's great, mate. Well done. I'm
0: so proud of you guys doing this. Fantastic. Yeah, we love it. Thanks, sir. Thank you. It's been great.